Hey gals, welcome back to Working Gals Guide. Today I'm here with Renata DeGrella, who is a production assistant and coach. She's previously had jobs at Oscar de la Renta and she's worked with celebs like JLo and Michael B. Jordan, which is honestly the coolest thing to me who is a big fan of celebrity culture. Recently as well, Renata's popped off on TikTok and she'll tell you all about what kind of content she's creating when we get into the interview. I'm so excited for today's episode because Renata was so easy to talk to. We got to kiki over some of my favorite topics like celebs, sex in the city, and of course, being a girl boss. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Working Gals Guide. And of course, rate, review, and subscribe. Ratings are everything, so we would love five stars if you have the time to give it to us. All right, without further ado, here's today's wonderful episode with the girl boss, Renata DeGrella. Hey gals, welcome back. I am here today with a guest who I think is absolutely iconic. Um, her name is Renata. Hi, how's it going? It's going great. So happy to be on. Oh my gosh, you don't even understand how excited I am for you to be here. You're gracing us with your presence. And for anyone who doesn't know who Renata is, you are going to know by the end of this podcast. And also, actually just pause it right now. Go check out her socials, which are in my show notes and go find her. Go check out her TikToks. Go check out her vlogs. She's awesome. So go watch and then come back. Um, okay, but before we get into it, uh, a few icebreaker questions just so our audience can get to know you a tad better. Um, okay, so my first question is, if you could be friends with any one Kardashian, who would it be? Ooh, that's a good one. I think I would probably be friends with Courtney because I think she's really, really funny and would be really honest. And I really like friends who are like super honest and blunt. And I feel like she has no filter. So I would want to be like her best friends. I like, like that answer. Ray. Yeah, that's a really good answer. I love that. And I feel like Courtney is really like, Courtney's everyone's favorite on TikTok too. I've noticed like everyone loves Courtney on TikTok. So I, I mean, I, I think she's awesome. I really like her too. If I were to answer this, even though this isn't my icebreaker question, but I am obsessed with the Kardashians, I'd either pick Scott Disick, I think, or or Kim, maybe. But Courtney would be third, I think, for me. I do. Yeah, love Courtney. no, Scott Disick's a good one too. Yeah, and yeah. well, I identify most as Kris Jenner. Like I am the Kris Jenner of my friend group, but I don't know if I'd want to be. I'm since I'm the Kris Jenner, wouldn't want to be friends with Kris Jenner. That's totally fair. And I feel like that's the soundbite that we're going to take away from today is that you're the Chris Jenner of your friend group. I love that. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So my second question is kind of a follow-up to this. Because you do work in fashion, the inevitable question is, if you could steal any Kardashian's wardrobe, whose would it be? 100% Kendall. I love that. Has- you know, it's so funny. I, I was thinking about what you would answer and, you know, disclosure to everyone listening we don't know each other we just met today we're just recording together but I did and I swear to god I thought she is gonna pick Kendall I don't know why I thought it but I I did so she has like (laughs) she has like the most like minimalist I think out of all the like Kardashians as far as like her fashion like I like aspire to have then model off duty style even though like it doesn't always look the best on me considering I'm like five three um and not very skinny but i also like her designer pieces are probably so insane like sure Kim probably has a lot but like Kendall wears like runway pieces all the time it must be insane to be in her closet right like can you imagine you just walk to your closet and you're like oh my gosh this is what I own why would I ever leave right I would just sit there and stare at my clothes I would totally sit there and stare at my clothes it's a piece of art it's it's a real piece of art in my opinion a hundred percent Okay, my last icebreaker question. This is, you know, kind of a deeper one, but feel, feel free to answer it however you'd like. Okay, so what is your favorite quality about yourself? Ooh, um, I would say definitely how confident I am. I think a lot of the reasons why I have been very successful in my life is because I have a great sense of like confidence and self-worth. And I really, really know at my core that I'm special and like worthy of success. And like, 
even when I was little and like I went through like my awkward middle school phase where like I was wearing like Abercrombie and had like weird side bangs and all that stuff like I was still always so confident and so like comfortable in my own skin that I was able to try new things and like really experiment with my look and what I was interested in and like um like what classes I took and all that kind of stuff and what hobbies I had so I think definitely like my confidence. I love that. That is like the best answer ever. And I feel like that's a, that's a quality that a lot of us, you know, a lot of people, they don't have almost. And it's so great to hear that you do have it. It's great that you recognize it and that you're harnessing it to be able to make yourself better as well. And I just love that answer so much. And, you know, girl, trust me, I went through that awkward Abercrombie phase as well and the Hollister <laughs> phase. And remember those t-shirts that had like the big Hollister bird across of it? it oh it yeah, like I had like them in all the different colors. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Some matched my braces because I had like the colored wires. Oh, it was so stop. awkward. Yes. And like, you remember when you had the braces where like it alternated colors, like it was Christmas and you got like red, green, yes, red, Yes, I used to do that. Like the orange and black for, um, like Halloween and stuff and red and green for Christmas. That it's like, it's iconic. And you know what the crazy thing is? I never see kids or teenagers ever doing that anymore. That was something special and unique to our generation. I swear. Literally everyone has Invisalign anymore. Nobody has an awkward stage. They all look like Instagram baddies at like 12 years old. And that's not okay. I know. It's crazy. It's like all those memes on the internet where it's like me dancing in high school versus kids today dancing on TikTok. And I'm like, Yes, I identify with that literally so hard. It's crazy. I know, but they should have seen me. Da- if there was the internet, there would be some pretty embarrassing videos of me, like with my own choreography to like TikTok by Kesha and stuff like that. Oh, like me and my I love the makeup dances in our basement. So very, very cringy stuff. That's hilarious. I love that so much. I remember a high school, not a high school, it was a middle school dance. It was like grade seven or grade eight. And they were playing, what's that Taylor Swift song? I think it's uh, You Belong With Me or something. So they were playing that at our school dance. And me and my friends had choreographed like a routine to it. And we were doing it in the middle of the gym. And people were just staring at us. And we did not care (laughs) for some reason. We just thought it was okay. I I don't know why. That's so funny. That is true bravery. Yes, it it was. And in the worst part too, of course, you're like in grade seven, grade eight, how old are you? Like maybe whatever, 13 or 12, whatever. And the worst part of this was it was during the day. Our school dances were at like a 2 p.m. on like a Tuesday. It it was embarrassing. Oh my God. So awkward. So awkward. Okay. So moving away from how awkward I was, and I'm sure you were less awkward than I. Um, <laughs> oh girl, you don't even know the half of it. I even had a scene phase. Oh gosh. It was well, cringy back then. Yeah. I mean, we all had, we all had that weird cringy cringiness, but let's talk about you and how well you're doing now because you really are doing incredible. And I, I love the fact that you're here today on the podcast. And if you don't mind, just give everyone listening in case they haven't watched or seen your content, a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from, and what you're doing. Yeah, so I'm Renata. I grew up, well, I was born in Queens and grew up on Long Island. I went to college at UNC Chapel Hill, which is in North Carolina. Um, for those who are big basketball fans, it's where Michael Jordan went. Um, and I work in the fashion industry now. I'm a production assistant at the brand coach. And as a production assistant, I basically help plan and execute photo shoots for all of our like creative needs. So like social media, digital, in-store and all that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah, that's just a little bit of what I do for work. And then more recently, I popped off on TikTok as like vlogging my life. Um, So I do daily New York City vlogs called the New York Minute. And I also do restaurant recommendations and stuff like that for New York City with my series In the Know. And I also have a little series um, called The Dollar Diaries where I break down what I spend in a day in New York City. So I do that all on TikTok. And then on YouTube, I do fashion career tips every Monday and full-length New York City vlogs every Thursday. 
Awesome. I, I love everything you're doing. And I know I said this to you before we hit record, but one of the reasons I really wanted you to come on the podcast, I'm so thankful that you're here is because you're killing it everywhere. You have this amazing corporate career. You are working at a very well-known company. And I know you're working with like celebs and like crazy people. Mm -hmm. So that is amazing. But then on the side, you're also finding time to focus on yourself and have a side hustle. And you're doing it on TikTok. You're doing it on YouTube. You're, you're killing it on Instagram. Like everything is just falling in place, which is incredible. And I can't wait to dive into all of it. So let's start with your career in fashion. Cause I know that you didn't necessarily pursue fashion right out of the gate per se, I believe you were going to study medi like medicine or something to do with the med field. Was that correct? Yes, that is correct. So I'm first-generation American. My parents immigrated to the United States from Guyana. And as we all know, like I, the stereotype of immigrant parents, like only wanting their kids to be doctors or lawyers is very true, guys, <laughs> um, or engineers. So mm -hmm. I was pretty much like told from very young age, like I'm going to be a doctor. And like in high school and early college, I like did everything STEM. Like I published a research paper at 18 years old, <laughs> um, how into STEM I was. Like I went out of my way to like do science. And when I got to college, I absolutely hated it. Like I was burnt out. Like I was bored with the material. I had no desire to study it, which meant that I didn't like do well. Like, I just really, I knew that it wasn't me. And, like, also, like, I am kind of squeamish with blood. And, like, I mean, coronavirus also made me realize that, like, there are some people who are, like, really, like, can take on the pressure mm -hmm. of being a doctor. And I feel like I don't think that I could, like, deal with, like, all of the pressure, you know? Like, if there are, like, a ton of patients and stuff like that, being in an emergency room, I just got anxiety thinking about it. And I knew I had to switch. So when I was like, it was like second semester, my sophomore year of college, um, I had met some girls who did fashion PR at an internship fair at my school of journalism. And it sounded really, really cool. And I just immediately like knew that was it. Like I always had been interested in fashion, but other than being a like magazine editor, I really had no idea about the other careers in fashion. Honestly, that's like more of my fault. Like I should have done more research. But once I heard what fashion PR was, like I was completely sold. Like I knew that that was what I was going to do and that was going to be like my thing, you know? So I immediately switched into the School of Media Journalism and I majored in public relations. And then I also did a other like a second major in political science just in case I ever wanted to go to law school and stuff like that because I was interested in that as well um and also just to like keep my parents happy and to like figure mm -hmm. things out yeah um, no, for sure that makes sense yeah. I, I have a question um so I've talked to people before where they switch career paths they change what they're going to do in university and a question that always comes to my mind you know also being someone who is you know my parents, well, my dad was born here, but my mom wasn't. So it's kind of an interesting mix. But the first question that always comes to my mind is, was it hard to break the news to them? Like, what was that conversation like when you actually had to go to them and say, hey, I think I want to switch what I was doing, this dream that you had for me, I do want to do something else. Like, how'd that go down? And were you fearful at all of actually having the conversation? I wasn't fearful just because See, the thing is, is that, like, I'm sure they would have been disappointed in me, but that honestly, like, wasn't what worried me the most. What kind of worried me the most was more that, like, if I were to not succeed, I don't really have a safety net mm. because, like, they really can't afford to, like, help me, especially if I'm, like, living in New York City, which is one of the most expensive cities in the world, you know? Yeah. So, like, yeah. I was more worried about not having like a super, super like high paying career, like being a doctor, like that was more stressful to me than like, obviously like, well, my parents' opinions. Um, and I also did not break it to them. Um, like straightforward, if that makes sense. Okay. Like I first I came home, I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer instead because I had this, um, poli sci major. 
um, which I really liked. I just did the poli sci major, like, just in case of law school, but also I just, like, really liked learning about, um, like, diversity in politics, um, especially here in the U.S. and stuff. Yeah. But anyways, so I told him I was going to be a lawyer, and then, like, I kept saying that until my junior year when it was, like, no, like November-ish. I had applied to this scholarship that it was brand new at my school and it was called the Lookout Fellowship. And basically this like um, guy had donated like a ton of money to the school of journalism to help kids who have like low socioeconomic status or whatever to have their dream internship. So a lot of like fashion, journalism, whatever internships are unpaid, which makes it really, really hard for people who don't have parents who can like pay for their like housing and stuff over the summer um, to do those types of work, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, w- it was literally the scholarship where like everything was paid. Your housing for the summer, they give you a stipend for spending money so you wouldn't even have to worry about like working a job to like eat and stuff like that. And I applied and I got it. And when I got it, I knew like I was going to get a fashion internship. And that's when I finally told him I was like actually I got this amazing scholarship like so I'm gonna do this like fashion internship and like because I had won the scholarship they were really really like proud of me Mm -hmm. and it kind of like took them a minute to figure out like wait a minute what about law school right (laughs) so right right. (laughs) and then once I once I like got the internship and did so well like they got it you know for sure like for sure yeah yeah, that, that's that's so interesting. I love that you knew what you wanted to do. Like, it's almost like, okay, I didn't want to do this, but I do want to do this instead. And I think the main thing is, and, and my mom tells me this all the time, shout out to my mom, but it's like, there's certain people who have qualities and no matter what you pursue, if you have those qualities, you will do well. And I think whether you picked fashion or you picked law or you picked you know, science or research or whatever else is out there, I think you would have done well because you have those qualities, including confidence, like you said, and probably determination and the ability to work hard and, you know, all these other things that you need to have to be successful. You have it. So it works out, you know? So it's incredible that, you know, you got the, the scholarship, you got the internship and it, was this the internship that you did at Oscar de la Renta? Yes, it was my scholarship at Oscar de la Renta. So, um, as I said before, like, I got the funding before I actually got the scholarship. Mm. Um, so the way that the scholarship works is that, like, if I didn't get an internship by, like, April, I would have lost the funding, right? Ah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like, even before I even got the scholarship, like, I think, like, literally a million steps ahead and was already networking and reaching out to alum who are in the industry. And like, I reached out to this girl who was like a few years above me um, in college. And she had done a summer internship at Oscar Lorenza and I grabbed coffee with her. And I had told her like my story and what I wanted to do and everything that we really hit it off. And she was able to give me her boss's number, who was still the PR person at Oscar de la Renta. And I was able to email her directly and send her my resume. I also sent, um, I, again, was planning to apply to Oscar. That was my dream internship. And I did my research project for my um, PR research class on Oscar de la Renta to specifically use as a supplement for my application. I don't know how much it helped, but like it definitely showed interest. Um, and I attached that to my resume as well. And literally that day she responded to me and was like, let's interview next week. I interviewed with her the week after that. And then I got the internship a week later. So it was like very fast once it got rolling. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. I love that entire story. And I mean, you must have been like, what the fork is happening? This is happening. It's going to happen. I'm going to get it. Oh my gosh. Like, like, I'm so happy, like thinking to what you would have been like in that moment is making me happy because, you know, there's very few moments in life, I think, when like get, they get you so giddy like that. And that must have been an amazing moment when she reached back out to you almost immediately and said, hey, let's do the interview. So first of all, congrats on that because that's awesome. Thank you. I will say that that interview I thought was the worst interview of my life. Like I left 
the interview shaking and crying. Like it was a phone interview because like, I was just, I just thought I did such a bad job. And my boss had like a very, like a very, um, like straightforward kind of like voice. So I couldn't tell if she was like happy or not. Mm. Or like if she was like vibing with me or not. So like I thought that I like totally messed up and that it was do I like I did terrible. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I just blew this. And then I didn't. And I was like literally cried when I got it. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. I feel like that's the hardest thing, especially right now when everything is over like Zoom or Microsoft Teams or like whatever people are using. And you aren't able to always see someone's face. And like some people are just super monotone as well. And you can't tell what they're thinking, whether it's bad or it's good. And it's really difficult sometimes to navigate that when you're used to in person and reading someone's body language essentially. So it's definitely different, but tell me more about the interview process. So you had the phone interview and then did you have to go into the office and do a couple more there? Like, what was that process like? No, it was just one phone interview. That was it. Um, and yeah, like I am obviously unfamiliar with like what their more traditional application process is like, like if it's online or anything, cause I did get like a, um, email from the former intern. So I'm not really sure, but it was just one phone interview and that was pretty much it. Oh, amazing. And did they call you and let you know, or did they email you and let you know you got this? They called me. Oh, nice. (laughs) I was just like, I literally will never forget it. Like I would say that my junior year of college was the most like formative year of my life Mm -hmm. and had like, like when people talk about peaking, like, I don't think that I have peaked yet in my life. Mm-hmm. Nor do I think that like there's just one peak, um, but my junior year of college was definitely a peak of mine. Um, I really That's like was focusing on myself, and I had like a really bad breakup over the summer, like before my junior year, and I like really hit the ground running on like my self care, mm-hmm. my goals, and my everything. And I really, I really worked very hard, and like I it was like the stuff that changed my life, like the scholarship and the Oscar L. Renta internship, like literally changed my life. Wow. Yeah. I mean, tell us, tell me more about that because I feel like sometimes when, you know, you go through a breakup or like something happens that's significant, but sometimes feels negative, it's hard to pick up and like make it such a good year to follow. You know, I feel like a lot of people kind of go downwards before they go upwards, but how were you able to kind of snap into a mindset where you're like, hey, I'm going to get this scholarship. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to better myself. I'm going to up my self-care and whatnot. Like, how'd you get into that mindset? Well, I did have like, so I had my boyfriend at the time and I had broken up um, when I was actually studying abroad. Um, and when I came back from London, I spent a month or so crying and was like down in the dumps like as every girl is like after a breakup but the moment that I started school and like I gave him back his stuff and he gave me back my stuff and you had that final like you know goodbye or whatever like I knew that I would like he was super controlling so like I knew that I would never like not live my life for myself like he wanted to like move to DC when my dream was always like New York and like we'd like planned for me to follow him and like all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized, no, this is like my life. Like I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to have anything like stand in my way. And like, I really thought about what my goals were and like what made me happy. And that's how I, again, decided med school wasn't right for me. That wasn't the right path. And that's why things weren't clicking, you know? Mm -hmm. And it just felt right. Like since I started doing the fashion stuff, like everything started falling into place. And I think it's really because I started being myself and not trying to deny like who I was, you know, and like what my interests were. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. And I want to talk more about the decision to go into fashion. So, you know, when you were younger, did you always care about fashion? Were you always into the latest trends? And I I mean, Abercrombie was definitely a popular trend (laughs) at the time. So, I mean, as tacky as it was for us, it was still a trend. Um, Yeah. yeah, So where'd your passion for fashion come from? And like, what, what actually led you to say, yes, this is something I want to do with my career? Yeah. So I have always, I've always loved fashion. I've loved dressing up. I've always been a very girly girl. Um, 
was I reading Vogue every day? No, I wasn't like that at all. Um, again, cause like when I have a goal, like I was like super like driven into it. So like when I was in high school, most of my time was spent doing science stuff. But at the same time, like I was always like dressed up. Like that was what made me feel good experimenting with my look. And like Tumblr was huge at the time. So like taking pictures and all that, like Tumblr inspired pictures and stuff like that. Um, so I always knew that I was interested in the fashion and entertainment industry. I just never really knew how to be a part of it in the way that like felt right for me. Mm -hmm. And I used to say when I was little, like my dream job would have been like a celebrity news reporter for E, like the ones who get to go to the red carpet mm -hmm. and ask what you're wearing. Yes. My dream job too. So I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, because I was told that like science and like law or whatever is like the only real path. Like I always dismissed that. And in a weird way, like I found like not a similar job, but like something in the same realm that like is me. So like, it's always been inside of me. It was until like, I started being myself mm -hmm. that it like came like to be true, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's almost hard sometimes because especially when you're younger, there is a lot of things being thrown at you and what you think you should do versus what you can actually do. And even in high school, like the fact that there isn't necessarily always like a class on fashion or certain yeah. aspects that, you know, beyond the traditional subjects they offer, it's hard for you to explore it. And it's hard for you to understand if it's actually something you'd want to do. And I think you touched on this earlier, but it's like, even if you are interested in fashion per se, because you don't get taught about it, you don't know what actually is a component exactly. of fashion. Like what is merchandising? What is this and that, right? You don't yeah, really what know. What is buying? People. What is production? What is yes. PR? Like yeah. you have no idea. Exactly. And it's hard because you just don't get exposure to it. So how do you know? But it's amazing that you found it. It's amazing that you chased after it. It's amazing that you're doing well now. And I love that you're working at Coach, also another amazing, amazing company. And I feel like it's one of those things where a lot of girls, you know, they own something from Coach. It's something that we can actually purchase yeah. for ourselves. And it's, it's amazing that we also really also know about the brand it's out there there's amazing celebs that are part of the brand as well so great place to work um but yeah. yeah tell us more about your job there I know you spoke a little bit about what you do as a production assistant but do you mind just doing a deeper dive into that and also super curious like what celebs have you worked with I, I want to hear all about that yeah so um I so as a production assistant as I said before like I help plan and execute photo shoots which a lot of the time at the entry level really just means a lot of sample trafficking. So at each shoot, there's literally hundreds of product that needs to be shot on models, celeb talent, still life on its own. So I make sure all of the bags and ready to wear are on set and there and also coordinate them with the other teams because e-commerce photography needs them as well and PR needs them. Mm -hmm. So I like work together with those teams to make sure that we're sharing them all. Okay. Like I help with like scouting locations and like, um, like scheduling like the hotels and car services for celebrities and stuff like that. Like very much like basic assistant work. I am at the entry level, so, like, I don't get to do, like, all the really cool, like, actual, like, planning things, mm -hmm. um, but I do get to sit in on those meetings and really learn from my bosses, which I'm really, it is really a great experience. Um, I feel like I'm learning so much. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of, like, what I do day to day. Um, yeah, as far as, like, celebrities that I have met, at Coach, I have seen J-Lo because we did her shoot in February right before everything happened at our fashion show this past, like, February or whatever. I saw Meg The Stallion, Michael B. Jordan. Um, who else have I seen? Those are, like, the main ones that I can think of off the top of my head. Oh my Meg gosh. The Stallion was probably yeah. the one that I was most excited about because I'm a huge fan of hers. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, I think I just, like, died when you said J-Lo. Like excuse me like oh my gosh like that's so cool um <laughs> yeah I saw her like literally like three days after the Super Bowl or something crazy like that too Stop. like oh, it was just my I was in awe of her because like I just saw this like iconic performance 
Yeah. And like now she's there in front of you, which is insane. But also, does she not take a day off? Like three days later, excuse me, I would be dead. (laughs) So hardworking. Like. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, that's just so cool that you get, you know, I mean, even going back to the fact that you get to sit in on big meetings with your managers and get to shadow them and learn from them. I mean, that's incredible in itself. You're learning so much on the job, which is great. And I mean, we all start entry level, like we all start there, but I think being entry level and having that title doesn't define you. And I think you're going to agree with this, but that's not what defines us when we're entry level. It's almost like what you're doing to show that you're going to be able to take the next step. That's what defines you. Yeah, hundred percent. Like you have to, you have to be able to anticipate what your bosses need. Like you just have to really be really like attentive and like really want to learn. Like I feel like some people just like sit in a job and just do what they're told. And I try to go the extra mile in every position that I have and really try to make the most out of it so that I can also one day be at their level, you know, like, it's just like one big learning experience for me. Like, I feel like people think that once you leave school, like you're not like learning, but every day I feel like my job is like a classroom. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with that. It's like every day you should be learning. Every day you should be challenging yourself. And it's all about, like you said, anticipating what needs to be done, whether it's for your direct manager, for a different team, just get the work done. And something I often hear from people around me, whether it be people messaging me on my you know, Instagram account or people just reaching out to me that I used to be at school with or, or whatever, some of my friends as well. But they're like, why do you work so hard? Like, why do you have to put in so many hours? And why are you going above and beyond? And, you know, you're not getting paid that much or whatever the argument may be to do a little bit less work. But to be honest, it's everything that you're saying, the more you can really show people that you're able to do and the more you're able to take on and show that you're actually producing quality work. That's what impresses people. And that's what gets you the promotion. That's what gets you the salary raise. That's what gets you to the next step. And really you do have to be able to do that. That's what's going to set you apart at the end of the day. If it's you and the other person who was just doing the bare minimum and that's going to be, it's going to come, you know, a time when either you're going to have to stay there or you're going to be able to take the next step. And it's so much easier to take the next step if you can show the work you've done. So I, I I believe in doing a lot of work when you're actually working. (laughs) Yeah. A hundred percent. It was definitely a little hard when I first um, started in the industry because like I, so my first job out of college was actually at a fashion PR agency. Um, and I was there first as an intern and then they hired me full-time as an account coordinator. And it was like a cool agency. I got to work with some brands like Fossil and like Swarovski and stuff like that. But the pay was just so low that like I had to work a second job and was working seven days a week, like full days, like nine to six every day and like literally it was very hard to go the extra mile when I was like burnt out like that was like probably the hardest part of like getting into fashion I really learned the hard way like this industry is tough and if you're like if you have to like pack boxes at FedEx or something at night or like work in my case like at a gym like as a sales associate or something on the weekends to make it happen like you got to really love it to do it you know Hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's one thing that I feel like people don't always um, almost realize when they go into a job or they live in a big city, whether it's New York or Vancouver or LA or wherever, it costs a lot of money to live. And you have to be able to put yourself in a position where, like you're saying, either you love the job you're doing and if it's not paying well, get that second job or you have to consider money and negotiate salary and this and that to make it work for yourself because realistically, you still need to live. Like that's yep. still bottom line. Lots of harsh realities. Like that's why like I tell people like really, really do your research. Like really like make sure you're looking at salaries, make sure you're looking at everything and see if it, it's possible for you. Because some people like I have student loans, like maybe I would have reconsidered a little bit more. Um, I didn't really get the magnitude of my student loans, but had I known, like I maybe would have considered exactly what path I went down Mm -hmm. Um, because there are some harsh realities so people really need to be proactive and do their research before they enter a career 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, speaking of places that we're working and how expensive they are, New York is a very expensive place. Um, but what made you want to do, you know, a career and start your career in New York versus maybe do something in Europe or do something in LA, other fashion hubs as well. So what was the reason for staying in New York City? So one, definitely my family, they are all in the tri-state. Like my the only aunt that I have in the U.S., the rest of my family live in Toronto. Mm. So my aunts and my cousin and everything are in Queens. And then my parents are on Long Island. So I definitely wanted to be close to them. I didn't love being so far away from them when I lived in North Carolina um, for college. So definitely that. And also just like all of my network was in New York. Like all the, like, the contacts that I built in the industry were in New York. So it wouldn't really have made a lot of sense for me to go to like London or Paris or something like that post-grad and also the language barrier. I don't speak any other languages. So moving somewhere like a Paris or a Milan or something just wouldn't have been possible for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, I thought about it. Um, like a little bit about like maybe doing something in Hong Kong because I was like really um, connected to like my school's like Asia Center. Like I worked there and like I'm like part Asian or whatever. And like they had some amazing fellowships, but ultimately like I decided that New York was the place for me to be. Right. And it's such a lovely city. I mean, I've said this on the podcast probably so many times that everyone listening is like fast forward, but I would love to live in New York. Like, I think it's such an incredible city. There's so much going on there. There is amazing food. There's amazing entertainment. There is so many people there. And the career opportunities are abundant as well. So it's a nice place to live. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. Yeah, I think, honestly, there's just, like, I've been, I've gotten the privilege, especially in college, to travel a lot. I did, like, three different study abroad programs. And I have yet to find a city that feels as electrifying as New York. There's just something about this place and the people here that just like, like just inspires you. Mm-hmm. Like everyone is just so passionate about whether it's their side hustle or their main job or whatever. Like I feel like everyone is just so driven and ambitious and they there's just so much energy in the city. And even like with COVID, like, like New York is just so strong and tough. And like, you just have to be, I don't know. It just elect, it's just super electrifying. Like that's the best way to Mm -hmm. describe it. Like you get like jittery, like when you like come off the plane and like are driving into the city, like it's the most like adrenaline rush feeling in the world. Mm -hmm. It is. It's no one can see me, but I'm smiling right now because I agree. I love New York. I love it for those exact reasons that you just said. And I feel like it's almost like you said, it's like a good espresso. Like as soon as you have it, you feel jittery, you're ready to go. And what I do love about New York versus LA, even though I think LA is a great place as well, is that in New York, people almost have such a purpose about them. There's determination. It's just so different. It's just like, boots on the ground, ready to go, going to get shit done. Like it's so, so different than any other place I've ever experienced. I've only been there twice for vacation and it's just been something that's changed me when I come back. It changes me. I love it. I feel like New York just has like this like grit to it. Like I feel like, like it is still very obviously glamorous or whatever, but like at the end of the day, like everyone here like has their struggles, has their whatever. Like there's just something like about it that literally like when I was in college and I would come back because I interned at fashion week twice I remember like when I was at school I was like so not like down in the dumps but like I like was like wouldn't work out whatever it was kind of blah and then the moment I would like land in New York like I'd be that girl who was like working out at 6 a.m and going to work with like an espresso and like killing it and then after I'd go get drinks with friends and then go out like I just felt like I had all the energy in the world to do whatever because I was so motivated by like everyone around me in the feel of the city I I agree it's just there's something different about it were you a sex in the city fan like in college or huge, like even high school huge 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 sex in the city fan I like literally watched Sex in the city since I was 13 years old like <laughs> I grew up on 
that show. Probably watched it a little too young, mm-hmm. if you ask me. <laughs> um, but I am 100% a Carrie. Like, oh, I love. Mm-hmm. I love I, that. Because of TikTok, I'm now realizing how terrible Carrie is. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was 100% Carrie. Like, I was that annoying girl who, like, was always, like, hung up on this, like, Mr. Big type guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, your classic, like, fashionista, whatever. Um, I just, like, had her similar vibe. I love that. That makes me so happy. And I have to ask, Big or Aiden? Uh, for the show, I'm a huge Big girl. I love, I, I, like, I just actually rewatched um like the first season and everything about Big like literally makes my heart stop like mm-hmm. that is like everything but in real life like I say like you got to pick the Aiden. Interesting. So. I mean, it makes sense though. I I understand that. I love Big so much. I'm big like through and through. Like I'm such a big person as well and yeah, I, it's I'm so hard big, to go but- for Aiden. It's so hard to choose Aiden over Big, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just, like, the Mr. Big guy in, like, real life, just, like, he just, like, I don't know. I also have this, like, kind of controversial opinion that, like, Carrie kind of sacrificed a lot of herself to end up being with Big. Like, Big kind of, like, like, stopped her from being who she was. Like, Carrie wanted that, like, big wedding with, like, the Vivian Westwood dress Mm -hmm. and the Vogue article and everything. Mm -hmm. And to fit his anxieties, she ended up getting married in a courthouse in like an un like a non-labeled dress you know and like yeah I look back on it now and it's like oh like that's that's not what I'm here for you know that's a good point that's a really good point I did not think about it that way because I feel like I've romanticized him oh so much like oh, yeah. way too much I, like, to be honest yeah I and, literally was watching it yesterday and was like oh my god this man yeah yeah and your boyfriend's like excuse me <laughs> no just kidding <laughs> <laughs> my boyfriend's always like he just like, oh my god! He thinks I'm like so funny. Yeah, does he, he just, watch like, it with you? He laughs at me sometimes because I get so invested in like shows and everything like that. I make the stupidest comments, honestly. Oh, I, I'm like that too. Wait, what is your like? Okay, go to shows right now. Like, what are you watching? What do you love? Ooh, so I just finished watching uh, another episode, like season of Sex and the City. I'm re- I rewatched the first mm-hmm. season. Um, 90 Day Fiance is honestly my go-to right now. Um, I'm absolutely obsessed with it. It is hilarious. I get so invested in every couple's drama. Um, so that would probably be it. Other than that, like, I really haven't had much time to watch any shows. Like, you're so busy. (laughs) Yeah, since my, like, I started creating content on TikTok and YouTube, um, and Insta as well, like, I spent a lot of my free time editing. Right, so. right. Yeah, I mean, we went off track, but let's get to that. So you do have, you know, your side hustles. You have your TikTok, you have your YouTube, which are, like you said, you're popping off on TikTok. It's going so, so well. You have, you know, these iconic New York Minute TikToks that you're doing. You have a bunch of others. Um, but yeah, tell me how this actually started. What inspired you to do it? And what made you actually take the step to say, I'm going to spend some of my free time, as little as it is, on doing TikToks and, you know, creating vlogs as well. Yeah, so I've actually been trying to create content for a while. So I've tried many different ways, like, since, like, I graduated from college. Like, I always knew that I wanted something that was, like, my own little side project on my own. So my first one was, like, a rooftop review um, Instagram called like views and vodka and like I would like review rooftops but like it became expensive and like also just like it wasn't really clicking well for me and then I did a podcast with some of my friends called your last three brain cells where we talk about like our fun like New York like party stories and stuff like that and that also didn't fit right for me because like I honestly hate working with groups um and I just like it wasn't the best fit um so during quarantine, I started making TikToks for like fun. Um, and I had a few that popped off, but I didn't really like get like a following from it. And I just, I'm a huge, like, I'm a big consumer of content. Like I love watching outfit videos, vlogs, all that kind of stuff. And I just like realized like I could be doing this. Like I 
know I'm capable of making this content. Like I just need to put myself out there and do it. And I literally still have all the little practice videos I took. Like I remember like I recorded like my trip to like some restaurants and stuff like that. Or like my daily routine at like work and whatever. And I just didn't post them. Like, I don't know. I felt like it wasn't right. And then I just got the courage to just start posting them. And it was right when I started going back into the office and I needed like a way to kind of like romanticize my life a little bit. Cause I was kind of like, I was obviously like a little bit scared and it was just like, it's hard to like get back into like the nine to six, like back in an office setting, you know? Mm-hmm. So I like wanted something to look forward to, especially since I was going to be in the office, um, like mostly alone. Like there's very few people back, like probably less than like 20 maybe um, in like a huge building. So like I was going to be lonely and I was like, you know what, why not like be expressing myself and stuff like that. So I posted, I posted a few and obviously they get like no views, like literally they would get like 500 views or a thousand views and it was like really not much. Um, and then one day I had a terrible day and I still recorded it, but it was a terrible day. Like my bus got detoured and I had to like walk through like Port Authority, which is like not a good area to walk through, especially in like the morning when it's like empty. Mm-hmm. It was like a heat wave and like it was terrible. And then when I got to the office, like my laptop wouldn't work. And I then got like swamped with so many things. Like I had a to-do list, which people like honestly have been like, oh my God, you had like nothing to- on your to-do list. And I'm like, well, you didn't see what happened. I didn't get to record what happened <laughs> because it was so busy. And then my bus got detoured again in the afternoon. Like it was like delayed. So then I went in the subway and I was super uncomfortable taking the subway because of COVID and everything at the time. Like now I take it every day. Cause I'm just like, I got used to it. Yeah. Um, but that was my first time on the subway. And then when I got out the subway, it was raining, like not just like a drizzle, like a monsoon lightning striking poles kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like had it with that day and I recorded everything and I was like, I'm not going to post this. This is so embarrassing. No one wants to see this, but I still posted it anyways. And it just like blew up. Like everyone just started commenting saying like, this is so realistic. And now that video has like 2.8 million views and 700,000 likes. And I gained like 30,000 followers overnight all my old vlogs that I had posted, like then got a bunch of views and people were begging me to continue the series. And that's just like kind of how it started. It was actually like day nine of my vlogs. Wow. That is crazy. I mean, it's insane to be able to put something out there, like you said, and you don't think it's the best, but it blows up and it's blown up so unexpectedly as well. And it's cool that you started it almost just for fun, where sometimes I think like when we're very purposely starting something to try to make it blow up, it doesn't always work. But the way you yeah. did it just organically happened. And I think it's because you were so honest in your content and it was so just catchy and entertaining to people and they loved it. They identified with it and they wanted so much more of it. So it's super cool what's happened. I mean, it must be an exciting feeling for sure. Yeah. I mean, it was super exciting. Like I felt like I, especially during quarantine, I had a lot of time to think about like what I wanted with like my future. And I wasn't, I started doing the vlogs by no means like to blow up or anything like that. Like I was just doing them for fun, but I told myself if I were to get a following from it, that like, this was a sign that that's like what I should be doing. Cause I had thought about like, not like being an influencer or anything like that, but like, I have been exploring the idea of maybe doing like content creation for like a, um, like a media company or something like I would love to be like a producer or something at like refinery 29 Mm -hmm. and like do like that more of like social content with Mm -hmm. video and I told myself like this would be my sign that that's the path that I should be going on so like it was just really exciting to like have it work out and be like okay so this is like what my next goal should be. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like if that doesn't work out, you can just start naming different people's like content segments because you have the best names. Like I think your branding is on point. It's so catchy. Like New York Minute alone. That's like such a classic name. I love it. Thank you. I actually feel like I struggle with my brand. Like I feel like just because of I feel like my brand is kind of just me living my life, being like a normal girl. Like I don't have anything that's like super, super signature to me. Um, which I'm trying to work on, like signature things that are very much like my personality or my style. 
I'm still trying to figure out exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, I just, it feels nice that you think that I have a very strong brand. I do. I, I really think you do. And I think what kind of speaks volumes is even like going back to the very beginning of this recording where me not even knowing you in person and just watching like your vlogs and watching your TikToks, for example, like I was able to say, I think that she would pick Kendall Jenner as yeah. her closet, you know, God, you know what I mean? Like yeah. able to say that, I feel like you're able to portray your, your brand and like who you are through your actual contents. And I was able to pick up on it. So I feel like you do a really good job. And my kind of theory behind everything too is when there is like people who are on like Instagram or YouTube or TikTok or even like Twitter, for example, people do want to just feel like they can relate. They want someone who's real and who's honest. And I feel like that's exactly you. Like, I think I was watching one of your, your vlogs. I don't know if it was today's or a couple of days ago or whatever it was, but you, you were talking about how like, okay, you're eating a quesadilla and it's not like the healthiest thing. And you didn't work out that day or whatever. And the thing is, there's other people that go online and they show us their plate of food and it's like a salad and it's like the healthy, healthiest ingredients ever. And they're talking yeah. about how they just got back from like spin class. And then this morning before spin class, they were like doing yoga and this and that and whatever, right? And it's, it's almost unattainable. It's not relatable. We're not like that. I'm sitting here eating ice cream in my room. Like it's, it's not, you know... I'm not like that. And when we find someone who's actually very honest about their life and someone who we feel like has a life similar to ours, it's so much easier to connect. And I think that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. I think that like sometimes I even look at these influencers who post like their 5 a.m. workout and then they make a smoothie bowl and then they like, I don't even know, like they have like 500 steps before 8 a.m. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I could never. Like, yeah, and I feel exactly. behind sometimes when I look at people like that and I'm like, where are the people who just like get up right at like 8 PM right before they have to like run out the door, like just shower and brush their teeth and head out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, exactly. For my people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like sometimes I'm watching these videos and like they're finished, like it's a day in the life, for example, like what I eat in a day video and I'm watching it. Okay. I see breakfast. I see lunch. I see what they call dinner. And then I'm like, hello, are you going to eat an actual dinner now? Like, I can't survive off of what you just showed me. Like, that is not realistic for me. So, you know, I totally get you on that one. But I also think that's the reason you're doing so well is that you kind of feel like someone's, you know, friend or like someone that they would actually want to know in real life and hang out with. So I think you're killing it. I think it's going really well. Yeah, I guess my question too is, you know, obviously you have a very demanding job that you're going above and beyond in. So has it been hard to balance your day job as well as obviously having time for self-care and friends and family, but then also having your TikTok and editing your vlogs and whatnot as well? It definitely has been hard to balance. I don't think that it's like affected my friendships a lot just because a lot of my friends have left the city and like are not able to like hang out in person as much um so that's been like kind of obviously challenging or whatever um but it's like it definitely doesn't take away from my main job just because like when I'm at work like other than my lunch break like I'm like fully focused on that I feel like it's definitely taken a little bit of time away from like my self-care time for sure Um, My room is currently a mess and it's sending me a little crazy, honestly, but like, I feel like I've gotten so like disorganized and like everything with that. I feel like it's taken a little bit of time away from like my relationship with my boyfriend. Like I, my boyfriend and I live together and he's like, had to obviously like deal with like now me, like having to take our bathroom over for like an entire hour to film YouTube videos and then being quiet while I edit and stuff like that. So it's definitely been a, a huge adjustment period. Um, but he's also like super supportive and has been really helpful through this entire process and has really helped me to like kind of figure out like when I need to take a break, like he would come in and just be like, yeah, like you need to take a moment, like let's have a chill time, like focus on yourself, close the laptop, turn off the phone. It's time to relax kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely been something new. Um, what I've found is the most interesting thing is that now I feel like a little of anxiety a little bit like I'm not a very I'm a little bit of an anxious person but I feel like 
I've been very anxious as of late just because like once you like start to like grow on social media you just want to keep growing you know and I'm like naturally a very competitive person and I don't compete with other people by the way like I just I'm very like I demand a lot for myself so like if a video doesn't do well or um like something like that like I take it very very personally when really it could just be the algorithm and I get kind of stressed out about it so that's been like a new thing that I've been dealing with that some things are not in my control like I put out the best content that I can and I fit in as much as I can within a day but like I wish I could do so much more and I wish like I had more partnerships obviously and like could collaborate with different like people and stuff like that so like that's been the new thing for me that I've been trying to learn to live with yeah and it's almost like you get to that point where that becomes kind of the next goal because sometimes when you first start the goal is just okay i'm just going to put out content you put out content and then the next goal is okay i'm going to grow this you grow it next goal is continue this growth and it's almost it seems like you're very similar to me in that sense where it's always like you want to set goal after goal after goal and as soon as you hit a goal you barely take time to celebrate it because you're already looking forward to the next one and exactly yeah and And it becomes this constant chase yeah yeah it's actually that's one of the things that i think is one of the biggest flaws about myself is that because I'm always chasing a new goal, it's very hard for me to live in the moment and really enjoy like the journey or like the good thing that's happening. Like it's like literally, I remember when I first moved here, like I was like definitely struggling working all the time. And my goal was just to work at a fashion, like in-house at a brand. And then once I got that goal, then suddenly I was like, I need to like do amazing. Like I need to like move up and all this stuff. Um, and I just feel like I'm always like chasing, chasing, chasing. And I'm afraid that like, if I don't learn how to be happy in the moment, then I'll never truly, truly be happy. Cause like the, like the more you achieve, the more goals they are, there mm-hmm. are, you know, like you buy the house, then you're going to want a bigger house mm-hmm. then you're on a vacation home. Like it's like that kind of mentality, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I totally identify with it. It's it's like it's never enough sometimes and it, it's hard. Yeah. To show. It's hard because other people around you sometimes tell you they're like, you're doing amazing. Like, why do you want more? Like, you're doing so good right now. But at the same time, it's like, but I'm not, I don't care. I, I, I know what I'm capable of and I know what I can achieve if I put my mind to it and therefore I want to. And it's it's tough to take downtime and to not be productive that's another thing I struggle with. And I think it goes hand in hand with setting so many goals. It's hard to take a moment and just like relax and not think about what should I be doing now? It's almost like there is just constantly something going on where you just want to be able to be productive and get things done. Exactly. Like it's just so hard. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It's also a good quality. It, as tough as it can be and as taxing as it can feel sometimes it's also probably the reason why you're doing so well and you're able to balance so much and I think a lot of times the only thing between people and them achieving what they want and I'm including you know myself in this and just like the general population society but the only thing between us and reaching our goals is us taking the first step and if you do have that quality you are able to take that first step and you're able to put out the content you're able to reach out to someone on linkedin you're able to apply for the scholarship and when you do then good things can happen so it's yeah. incredible that you've done that in your life and it's incredible the rewards that have come with it as well yeah thank you so much <laughs> yeah of course no worries i mean it's a cool story that you have and I mean, I really do urge everyone to go check out Renata's content because there's so much there. It's more than really, I think, a typical like quote unquote YouTuber has or quote unquote TikToker has because you do have a lot of very good and just educational like tidbits in there as well, like how to network, like how you got your job and things like that. That's all the kind of content that you have. And that's the kind of questions I'm sure that people listening to this podcast at least want answered. So definitely 1000% recommend go check out the content. It's incredible. So I know I've kept you for quite a long time here just chatting, but it's been so, so nice to to e-meet you and talk to you and get to know a bit more about your story. It's been so fun. 
Um, but before we do leave, please let everyone know where they can find you on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram, and anything else that you want as well. Yeah, of course. So um, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram with the name Ren Degrella. So R-E-N-D-A-G-R-E-L-L-A. They're both the same on TikTok and Insta. And then my YouTube channel is Renata Degrella. So R-E-N-A-T-A and then D-A-G-R-E-L-L-A. If you go to either my TikTok or my Instagram, you'll be able to get the link for my YouTube in the bio. So that'd probably be an easier way to find me. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming today. It's been literally the best time talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. Thanks for tuning in, gals. If you loved today's episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Ratings are everything, so we'd love a five-star review, and if you have the time, a written review as well. Of course, follow us on Instagram at Working Gals Guide. Thanks again for tuning in and see you next time.